Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Please make sure your seatbelt is securely fastened, your tray table is in an upright and locked position, and that you are ready to get weird and think different. Please prepare for takeoff. Today is Wednesday, June 17th, and we are back with another episode of Destination Different. I, I particularly like the story, not just about this week's guest, but about how, how I met with this week's guest. So I think it really speaks to the, to the power of the internet and the you know, ability to meet anyone or talk to anybody or get introduced to anyone. So little bit of backstory. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show here before, but I played soccer at Boston College in the Atlantic Coast Conference. So I got invited a few weeks ago to attend this ACC panel of student athletes where we spoke to current college students about, you know, what we do in our jobs, how we got to where we are in our careers, uh, gave them some advice. I don't know if it was good advice, but we gave them some advice. And so I was on this panel and one of the other members of this panel was a man named Malik Mayweather, who was a football player, wide receiver at the University of Miami. You know, we get thrown on the same panel, we talk a little bit to the to the students, you know, we don't really get to talk to each other and we go on our merry way. But Malik, you know, he mentioned his his upbringing a little bit. He mentioned some of his background and what he's doing now. And I thought his story was fascinating. So I found him, reached out. And two days later, we're on the phone doing a podcast interview. So a little bit more about Malik. He is the founder of Unconquered Fitness, uh, which he started uh, shortly after graduating from the University of Miami. Uh, he's he's really built this this fitness brand from the ground up. He was training kids for, you know, couple bucks here and there um, and has now built it to a business where he has other other trainers working underneath him, um, has expanded the footprint beyond uh, the Memphis area where he sort of got his start and just is, has really kind of exploded in the last year or so with, with growing his brand. Um, his story, and you'll, you'll hear him talk, he is, he is fascinating and is an unbelievable storyteller. Um, he had the opportunity to be on Netflix TV show Last Chance You when he was um, and he was playing football at Eastern Mississippi Eastern Mississippi Community College. Um, he you know is friends and rubs elbows with members of NFL rosters and MLB rosters. Um, he you know, has a has a really interesting upbringing and story and and he was just so inspiring to hear him talk. I, I always say, you know, these podcasts for me have become like almost like therapy each week. And I just get to sit there and, and listen to people's amazing stories. And if there's one thing that I took away from Malik, it's that he's just such an incredibly, incredibly, incredibly hard worker. And you can 100% hear that in this, in this episode. And, um, that was that was the one you know thing that I really took away from him was just how dedicated and committed he is to whatever it is that's sitting in front of him. So, with that, I'll let you you know dive into this episode. I think it's a really good one. Um, but that's what we've got for this week. Malik Mayweather, founder and CEO of Unconquered Fitness. I hope you enjoy. company here in Memphis, great event company, do a lot of good things, but um, really strenuous when I was trying to go back and forth, trying to get into the NFL and training and having to do some of those event management things where you're lifting tables, holding a whole bunch of linen and, and taking stuff up and downstairs. It's hot outside in the middle of summer. And I got to, I was doing it because one, I wanted to have money to be able to pay for my suit for my cousin's wedding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I needed some money in my pocket so I wouldn't have to ask anybody for anything, whether I wanted to travel and go see my girl or wanted to, I wanted to go um, 
you know, get gas or go to a party, anything. Yeah. I just didn't want to be a burden on anybody, you know, coming out of college uh, because I felt like I was supposed to make it and mm-hmm. it just happened that way. So going into it, it was like, all right, if I didn't make it, well, I got to do something. Um, and then I hated that job because it was just, I was tired. So yeah. I was like, what else can I do? And at the time it was like, well, I haven't applied for grad school yet. Um, that's going to happen pending, you know, this doesn't work out with me trying out for different teams and leagues. And I said, well, what can I do in the meantime to help people? And then I thought about my whole knowledge base, my skill set, you know, health sector management and policy. Undergrad, do I really want to go sit in the office right now while I'm trying to train? Yeah. It's a little bit more of an uh, obligation than you, you need right now if you're trying to be on your own merit and what it takes to train. Mm-hmm. So I said, I can do fitness because it keeps me involved in the weight room or outside. Um, keeps you staying fit. Yeah. So you, you stay kind of in the swing of things. And I just really went freelancing from there. The the business was incorporated far after I started, you know, kind of freelancing. And I had some people that kind of looked out for me and helped me at various gyms that just let me come and, and train. I'm not going to put any, any gyms out there because, um, you, you know, don't want to hurt anybody's bottom line. But they, they were privy to me. Um, I think it was the relationships that I just built from being mm-hmm. who I am. And it works out. Um, it worked out for me. So going into the gyms, having people. And then the crazy part is, so the first couple of months, only I had a girl that I, I had a couple of people. One of them fell off. Another girl was a girl that I went to high school with. And she came to me like four days a week. And her results were crazy. So, you know, the whole time I'm doing this, I'm like, man, look, I have a base. Yeah. I have a base cert. I, I'm just doing what I know you should do. I know what it's supposed to look like. I know what the effort's supposed to look like. And I know how you should probably eat. Right. Basically, you know, just from being an athlete, like, is that kind of how you know that yeah. stuff? Like, you know, you've been working out, eating right, doing all that stuff all your life. Exactly. So knowing those things, it was like, okay, let me, let me do it. Right. And of course it's a time thing. So you have to stretch out time to actually see results. So me personally, um, coming up in this age, of course we have, we lack a little bit more patience. We lack patience more than, you know, other generations. Yeah. But at the same time, it was just like, I was just so hungry for her to get her results. Like this was all, everything that I've done and up to this point with Unconquer Fitness has been for other people to get what they want. Even me bringing my best friend on as a business partner is because I want you to get what you want. I'm very altruistic in, in some of my endeavors and really just wanted to make sure that people get what they want. So pushing her, um, you know, coordinating schedule, getting the ins and outs. And I'm like, man, I've only made maybe $400 in two months or so. Mm-hmm. But I'm so low overhead from being at home that I'm like, okay, I can kind of manage that a little bit. Yeah. But I still had thoughts of if this is what I should be doing. Um, and I needed money to pay for school applications. So right. a lot of that wasn't even profit. It was more like, yeah, I, I was just, just going to the other things you needed to do. Yeah. And I got this transcript now, right? But then something happened and it started to pick up around November where I was getting a little bit more um, calls. Um, I brought my sisters in, cousins in, trying to um, get you know, more people in that, that I felt like, you know, could benefit from it. And then reaching out to athletes because I play receiver at a high level. So um, just the knowledge that I have, even though I had some injuries over my career, just the knowledge is still there and I know what it's supposed to look like. So mm-hmm. I, I try to reach out and, and help receivers as well. And that's kind of where everything started to blow up and build. Um, even though I was still handling getting into school and everything, um, it was like, okay, this is actually starting to work. Um, you have a couple down months and then you go back up and then yeah. you climb your bills because training is very seasonal based on, you know, all right, they're in season. He's not coming to you to train. Right. Or she, you know, got her summer body. So she's happy and she wants to kind of fall off. And my, my motto is really, I'm training you not to need me. Right. I don't want you to need me. Yeah. If you need me, then, you know, for too long, then we haven't done what we're supposed to do. If you want to keep working with me after the fact, that's fine. I appreciate that. But I'm training you to be able to be self-sufficient and in yeah. shape. That's kind of what it is. So um, everything just picked up and I was like, okay, this is something that really can work. Um, I've brought somebody in now, so I feel responsible to them mm-hmm. uh, for, for the success of this to, you know, keep going. And we started doing boot camps this summer before I went to school. And it was like, okay, I've gained enough traction in this area, in this Memphis area um, to kind of, you know, started making this a real thing. And we incorporated the business and, um, the rest is history. Um, school kind of slowed me down, but my business partner stayed here in Memphis and he had a couple people 
you know, over that time frame. And now that I'm back for the summer, we're picking back up where we left off. Um, we're actually doing a free boot camp. The first boot camps last year weren't free because I, mm-hmm. I couldn't afford to do that. But now that we kind of gained what we gained, we're giving it back. We're paying it forward. Hey, everybody that supported, man, look, we got a free boot camp now. And then, you know, with the social culture and everything that's going on right now in America yeah. and the world, um, we're taking donations for, for good causes as well. So um, being able to do that is just the reason that I kind of went in on my own because it's like, okay, now I can I can move the company this way versus moving like a company that's only worried about the bottom line, which don't get me wrong, business is business. You have yeah. to do what you have to do to make money and, and stay profitable and, you know, pay taxes and and you know build a mission and a vision statement for your company so that it can grow and scale but i think deeper than that it's about the people um and the people that i've surrounded myself with that have helped me uh build it up to this point even though it's really still small and homegrown even to this point is is amazing to me because it it wasn't this it was 200 and i'm thinking about quitting at first right wow that's unreal (laughs) i didn't and um that's where we're at so, uh, so tell me, tell me a little bit about, so, you know, it, it does sound like you're kind of a people focused business first, which I, I love. I think that's an awesome piece of it. So like, who is your, you know, ideal customer? Like, is there one, is it a, a high school kid who's trying to go play college ball? Is it like a 20 something year old who's trying to, you know, get their summer body right or just be healthy? Like, do you have a particular target in mind or is it sort of like anybody who's just trying to get better? Okay, so eh, it's, 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 it's difficult with that, right? Because personal training really is a personal thing. So your goals, um, in terms of that, I think it's different from trainer to trainer. And since mm-hmm. we're going to be you know, expanding on a contractor's basis where we can start bringing other trainers in that, that want to be a part of this movement and be a part of this organization, um, it's really based on what you specialize in. Me personally, I do specialize more in skill position athletes, um, like receivers, DBs. Um, I haven't touched basketball as much, but I could touch uh, baseball because I play mm-hmm. baseball as well, um, anywhere in the outfield. And, you know, there's a component to uh, lateral movement and speed. So those would be my specialty. But I also work really well with the, the people that I personal train that aren't, you know, athletes and just want to lose weight and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. So it's different from trainer to trainer. But overall, if we had to say as a company what we're focusing on, I would say we're focusing on um uh I, I would say we're focusing more on personal training because athletes, like I said, is seasonal. So in order to build volume and help the most amount of people, mm-hmm. we have to say that we're we're more focused on CPT. But we want people that want to work, right? Um, you know, our, our pillars are accountability, um, positivity, competition, and, and consistency. So you have to have all those things about yourself before we join. And that goes into the, the consult phase where we, you know, write down your goals. When I send you the, the participation waiver and the, and the waiver for, you know, the photo release, et cetera, then we're writing down goals and we're signing them mm-hmm. because that's part of, of people's mental, right? If I sign it, then I got to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm big on that. If I say it, then I got to do it. And even if something happens and I can't do it, I feel bad because I said it. Right. So, um that's kind of where we are man cpt focus um athletes and performance is more me and building that and then as i find more trainers and contractors that want to be a part we can build out the performance thing i work in conjunction with some people over here in memphis at muscle movement out in um carrierville that you know we work more on the performance-based side for some of these high school athletes but unconquered fitness is, is really more focused on cpt i love that okay Quick question before I move on, but I, I think it's interesting because, you know, I have a lot of entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs on this that, you know, that kind of listen to the show. And I'm curious what your experience was like, like actually incorporating the company. Cause like, there's a big step, like a lot of people, you know, do the freelance thing or like, you know, it's, it's, how was that process? And like, one, how did you learn how to navigate it? Like, I think it can be daunting to some people of like, okay, this is real now I'm starting this. This is a, an LLC or this is a company, like whatever it might be. How did that process go for you? And how did you even figure out like where to start? Well, I had to give all the, the glory to my father on that one, man. He has his own business um, in the medical medical device area um, in terms of the what he does. And it's he he helped me know what I need to get in terms of like an EIN, which might be, be which, um you know, formation with the LLC, corporation, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, 
might be best. And we went with um, S-Corp. So having him around to kind of show me and help me helped a lot. And then in terms of uh, getting like a logo and just trademarks and everything, um, a lot of interlock, uh, an intellectual, <laughs> a lot of intellectual property that you produce, yep. whether it's voice recorded with a with a logo, et cetera, is already copyrighted because you you put it out there. Mm-hmm. So in terms of some of that stuff, I knew that I could bypass a little bit. Um, eventually, you know, want to get some things, you know you know, finalized with that, but, you know, setting up the tax structure and, and, you know, your uh, ETS account and all that stuff with the government is just things that kind of happen over time as you fill out. Cause once you fill out the paperwork, get your EIN number, you set up the business bank account, things of that nature, you get emails that say, all right, you need to do this next, you need to do that next. And then you kind of just follow the emails. Um, But it's, it's difficult to know which one is, I think, the, yeah, the most difficult part is knowing which kind of way to form your company, which is most yep. beneficial for you. And then a lot of people worry about the tax structure and whatnot. Um, I think that uh, the biggest part of all this, minus that, is the fact that, yeah, you might be doing this over here, but until you can stop and do this full time, you still have other stuff that you have to do, right? Like you mm-hmm. still got to figure out how to make some some money doing whatever you're doing. Me, I'm starting early, so I had a little bit more of a safety net versus if I start when I'm out of school and I need a job and I'm trying to do this. Now I've right. kind of put this to where it's sustainable and I can do that in conjunction with something. So I would encourage a lot of people to start early and understand those things in terms of uh, if they want to build a business. Um, but yeah, he helped me a lot with, with that and getting everything set up. And then I got, I'm, I'm like meticulous when it comes to like spreadsheets and understanding yep. how much I should save. I wish I was like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't see my thing is uh, the compound effect, right? Yeah. Everything it builds over time. So, you know, putting whether it's putting money in uh, a mutual fund or investment, you know, account or whatever. Every time I get paid with the business or with, you know, because it's I'm so I'm the owner. So when I get paid, that's all my income. Right. Yeah. But every time I get paid, there's a cut that stays with the business. And from that cut, you take out taxes and, you you know, fees for transactions like Square or PayPal, et cetera. Um, and then I get what I get personally. And then from that, I go and put money in, you know, a savings account, investments, um, allocate enough for, you know, eating and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then what's left over after the month is a second savings because you've done everything you should. Right. Second savings can go to an account that you kind of like put over there and that's what you use when you go out. So you're never touching your operational funds. Right. Yeah. If you go over budget, then you either taking some out of that, that play account or you're not adding anything to it. Right. So it keeps you, it keeps you really responsible because if you want to play, man, you gotta, you gotta do business the right way and and track your expenses. So I kind of police myself with that. As we get larger, I got to kind of, you know, yeah, you gotta be pretty pretty disciplined about that, I imagine. Yeah, you gotta be you gotta be invested in, in more systems as you get a little bit larger because the numbers are bigger and it's harder to keep track. You know, especially if you got a bigger client base and a couple of trainers up under you. So, um, but we're not there yet. So, still gonna just try to do it how we're doing it right now. But um, definitely making sure we take out enough for taxes and definitely t- um, trying to put some away for like safety savings and whatnot. I like that. Okay. So you talked a little bit about the, you know, the future and kind of continuing to grow this thing. So I, I like to ask on this show, cause you know, there obviously are always big, big dreams and things like that. Like where, where do you see Unconquered Fitness going in the next five, 10, 20 years? Like what is the, what is the dream scenario for, for what you can create with that, uh, with your company? Well, I mean, I, I've, I've, um, vision is to do it how you see fit. Right. And that's a play on words with the UC fitness. Um, mm-hmm. but, that's that's all we're trying to do. Whatever fitness looks like in the future, um, whether that's more virtual than in person, or whether that's more in person than virtual, or whether that's um, group fitness, or whether it's you know private one on ones, we have to kind of do it how you see fit. Um, I took a marketing course, and they said you know your product is only as good as the person's perception that wants to buy it. If they think your product's crap, then your product's crap, right? So. In the future, we want to hopefully be still pushing out a, a, a good product in terms of the service that we give because it's service oriented. So we have to make sure that we vet the right people and bring them in the right mm-hmm. way. Um, 
and that first goes with me being wherever I am over whatever region. So if I'm in Miami and, and my business partner Marcus is in Memphis, then I'm over Miami and whoever we bring in in Miami is, is my responsibility and whoever we bring in in Memphis is his responsibility. And I'll go back and, you know, just at first to kind of double check and make sure that, you know, we're, we're getting the right character people in, in, the, um, in the organization. In the future with that, like I said, I kind of want to get to worksite wellness promotion stuff like that so building out these plans for um for for big corporations or, or small business owners etc that want to keep their clients healthy mm-hmm. uh, as you know me coming out of the health field uh, with my degree and then getting my mha right now we know that participation in a lot of these plans is not up there right so figuring out what works best in the community and being able to provide that from a, a corporate standpoint as somebody's job mm-hmm. um because you're around those people most of the time anyway, right? So you build a relationship with these people. These are the people that kind of flock together and, and we're preachers of habit. So if they have a habit of doing this and then you run with them, then you might end up with a habit of doing that. So let's try to get them in the habit of working out, um, get, them, get them grouped together and do some of these worksite wellness promotions. And then, you know, brick and mortar isn't really what I'm looking for. I'm looking to kind of, you know, partner with gyms or partner with people to, mm-hmm. you know, space at a gym or et cetera, and then have our trainers in there and maybe one or two brick and mortars, you know, here and there as we see, you know, the market needs it and we yep. can put it there and we would excel. So that's a lot of market research, but that's down the road. Right now I want to keep it more um, more mobile, being real mobile when it comes to worksite wellness promotion um, and keep building the brand in terms of adding trainers and even um, people that I know that I play with that will support and, and do affiliate links and, and try to, you know, push the brand to people that they know. Because once again, it's all about health and wellness. So mm-hmm. if we're pushing positivity and health and wellness and they're down to do it, then, hey, we can we can get out here and provide different things that people feel like they need. If that's dumbbells, if that's mats, if that's you just want a T-shirt to be a part of the cause, and we can still put on free boot camps because of this. Um, that's kind of the goal. Being able to do as much stuff free from the support that we get from yeah providing a good service, right? So being able to say, hey, yeah, we did really well this year. We want to put on this many free clinics, right? Doing something of that nature to keep giving back and show our gratitude for uh, for people supporting us is kind of where we're at with it. So that's okay. the future, man, worksite wellness and being able to keep doing as many <laughs> free events as we possibly can. I love that. I love that. Uh, so switching gears a little bit here, because I do want to, I do want to touch on, you know, your football career and kind of some of your, uh, you know, your transition into starting your own business and like give some of that backstory. So tell me a little bit about like, so you, you know, from what I can gather, you were a highly recruited athlete at a call out of high school, you know, playing both baseball and football. So like, what was it like, you know, kind of being a, a top tier recruit and going to like this big time program coming right out of high school? Man, um, so I'll be honest with you, it wasn't it. I, so I was recruited high, but I didn't get as many offers as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I couldn't tell you why, to be honest. I, I have, you know, I, I put in the work, but, you know, things happen how they happen. Right. So regardless, still being able to go places and being wanted, um, you know, the reason I chose to go to Miami and, and how that happened was um it was, I was in Mississippi, Olive Branch, Mississippi is right outside of Memphis. Um, and the way recruiting went, we were looking at Mississippi State heavily, um, Ole Miss for baseball with some things, trying to see, you know, if we wanted to kind of pursue that. Mm-hmm. And then Miami came about for baseball. And my initial was Mississippi State. Mississippi mm-hmm. State had some things happen um, that, you know, were out of, I guess, our control as recruits at high, in high school. And I guess we got taken off the board or they didn't want us anymore, et cetera. And then that's when Stanford comes along and I'm like, okay, well, I want to go to Stanford or Vandy. And it was like, all right, well, Stanford needed 26 for the ACT. I think I've taken it three or four times. And I'm still, you know, weighing baseball because everything that I just said so far, Mississippi State, Vandy, et cetera, was all football. So baseball Mm -hmm. was more Ole Miss, um, Miami, and some other small schools. And then you got JUCOs in there, which when when JUCOs weren't really highly touted like they are now, people come out of JUCO every day. Back then, it was yeah. like JUCO if you didn't have maybe good grades or something like that. And I had like a four point two out of high school, like because I took a couple AP classes. So yeah. I was like, I'm not yeah. going JUCO if I have the opportunity to go to a top fifty school, top twenty institution in terms of the degree. Right. 
I was balancing both of those and that was kind of difficult trying to figure out what the best situation was degree wise versus plan. So all in all, didn't have a 26 for um, Stanford. So I'm still weighing, I'm still weighing. I'm like, all right, let's go to Miami, go to Miami for a camp. They like me in baseball. I tell them I want to play both. Well, they say you have to talk to football because if they do offer you a scholarship, that takes precedent. Mm-hmm. And we want to make sure that, you know, everything is kind of done the right way in terms of paperwork, stuff that I would have never known about anyway. Right. As an 18-year-old kid, yeah. yeah. So it's just like, hey, dude, you know, let me go talk to who you're telling me to talk to. And um, long story short, we end up in Miami. So I love it. been my childhood school since I was – childhood favorite school since I was little. And – um. It was a it was a, a transition um, coming from Memphis to Miami pretty much by myself. The only person down in Miami is one of my dad's friends who's in the same fraternity as me, Omega Sci Fi. Um, his his line brother is down there, and I call him my uncle. And you know now I'm in the frat, so mm-hmm. just a lot transpired over those years. But he was the only person down there when I came to Miami. I didn't know anybody, so I kind of went solo and and just like, hey, put your foot in the dirt and, and start running. And um, the transition was difficult because Spanish, you, you know, not having a car in Coral Gables. Coral Gables isn't as close to the beach and everything else that you think it is. You kind of just have the campus and then the metro rail to kind of drive you up and down kind of US 1 to get to a, a Target and, and Dayland Mall and whatnot and then come back. So a lot of that, but I, I loved it. Um, I got some of my best friends in the world from it. Mm-hmm. And um, as far as my mental, it was it was cool until I had to work, wake up and work out at about five five in the morning. Yeah, so, I'm sure. Yeah, that was that was the adjustment. Every it's crazy because people are like you in Miami, man. I'm sitting here like that five thirty. It's not the Miami you thinking of. Yeah, that five thirty a.m. makes me want to go to Memphis, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but man, look, it made me better. Um, it made me grow up um, and, and transition from from you know. Olive Branch, Mississippi, the Memphis area, to a metropolis like Miami. Or even if I would have ended up at Stanford, Palo Alto is a different world as well. Right. I went out there and, you know, and kind of killed it. So, um, you know, I, I, I liked it. I think it was pretty easy for me because I'm, I'm really good at talking to people, articulating mm-hmm. um, and, and creating friendships and relationships. And I'm really good at not being around the people that I, I don't fit in with, not with any, like, malice, but just – understanding who I fit with and, and, you know, building with them, not, not in, um, not in a zero sum way where, you know, someone loses because I don't mess with them or, right. or, them or associate with them, but just in a way that, you know, we benefit from being together and being around each other and we, we police each other as well. Nobody in my friend group is going to allow anybody to do anything, um, you know, outlandish or crazy that would hurt themselves. Not intentionally. We won't intentionally let anybody do it. And that's the type of people I've associated with and we'll yeah. continue. So, at being at Miami, were there people in your circle like you know that are now in the NFL or NBA or Major League Baseball? Like, how is that now that you're you know we're in a space where there's just probably so many kind of high profile athletes? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of people, man. Uh, I mean, my best one of my best friends is Corn Elder, plays for the Panthers. Um, you know, I, I came in when Denzel Perryman, um, Philip Dorsett. And a lot of those guys were kind of, you know, on the way out within their last year or the last two years. And those were some of the people that that mentored me. I mean, Rayshon Jenkins, Rayshon Scott. I mean, goodness gracious. <laughs> I mean, people I came in with, Jamal Carter, Stacey Coley, uh, Jermaine Grace, uh, Stan Dobar, just just people on top of people, man, yeah. that was gone and, and had a chance at that level. And I took my shot at it and it didn't um didn't pan out. But you know, these are still relationships that if I see them or they call me or I call them, it's like, hey, what's up? You know, we, mm-hmm. we talk like regular people. I don't I've never been the one to kind of feel like somebody is larger than life because they're in a you know NFL or NBA or MLB. Um I, everybody's just a, a human being to me. I mean maybe I'm Maybe I'm weird. The only person, yeah. God rest his soul, man, and it made me sick to my stomach, but the only person I felt like I might feel that way around was Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. Hands down. Favorite player since I was little. Um, it was really between him and AI growing up, and I kind of just was privy toward Kobe because of these colors that I have on, right? Right. Omega right. my father, and that's what I saw growing up. So I see the Lakers, and then I'm like, well, I like this guy. He's cool. So 
I think that's kind of where it stemmed from. Um, if I can think back and think of any reason why I started liking the Lakers, because people yeah. like you a bandwagon fan, right? But um, yeah, I, I really that's the know, one guy you would you would put on the pet pedestal, be a little starstruck if you ran into yeah, him. That's the one guy that if I if I was in the room with him and I'd be like, man, that's Kobe, yo, like that that's really that's Kobe right there. So everybody else, man, is it's not a it's not a knock on you. It's just that. You know what he did to influence me and 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 mama mentality and everything is kind of how I live my life and always have. Um, even when I battled injuries, when I went through tough stuff, and there's a, there's more to the story that's even before college. That, whew, I mean, I, I think it would make it it, it would it, it's definitely a story that um, that like I said, I used to not be able to get through. So, I mean, I, it's it's been interesting, you know as this year has evolved and, you know, I feel like Kobe's death was like sort of the, the tipping point of the iceberg. It's crazy. It's uh, it's been, a, since then it's just been interesting. Yeah, it has, man. Um, You know, like I said, man, it made me sick to my stomach dog. It, it, the crazy, the craziest thing is right. And I'm not here to tell somebody what to believe or not to believe, but I, I'm a Christian and I believe in God. And so, you know, when you cook with glass cookware, right. Mm-hmm. And you, you can't take it out and put it on a cold surface or a surface that's drastically different in terms of high temperature to low temperature. I didn't know that. So I still I didn't know that. I'm curious what you're about to tell me. Yeah. So like if you put it on a cold surface or something that's not, you know, kind of even with the temperature, the glass will explode. Mm-hmm. I took some glass cookware with some like spinach triangle things in it out the oven. Um, and I put it on top of the stove that wasn't on. It was just there. And I figured it can take the heat because it's a stove. Right. So I can put a hot thing on the stove. That blows up. And I'm like, man, what in the world is going on? Like, what just happened? So I'm like irritated because I was hungry. <laughs> and yeah. I can't even remember. Like, I mean, I think this is COVID was starting off and you know, people were kind of worried about it or whatever, but um this had happened. And I'm just upset. And I'm like, well, I gotta tell somebody because it's no way this just exploded on me. Yeah. And then, like, a minute later, Kobe Bryant has died in a helicopter crash explosion. And I'm just like, wait a minute. You're telling me this just exploded and I just found out he – so I, I don't know what type of uh, divine intervention is going on or anything of that nature right now. But what I do know is that um, I know he's real in my life. I know God's mm-hmm. real in my life. And I don't take certain things like that as a coincidence. Like, don't get me wrong. If we're looking at it from a standpoint of, all right, you did something that would make that happen and you didn't right. know you were doing it, then yes, you did that. But what are the chances that happens and then I get that message and those two things kind of correlate. So, like, I'm, I'm big on energy and I'm big on, um, I'm big on, on kind of your gut. Mm-hmm. My gut, I just feel like that's... I don't, I don't, it's something there. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's because I felt so deeply connected to his mentality and how right. he went about his business and kind of shaped my, my life off of that. Him and um, a couple other people in terms of, you know, just influences that are not athletes, but just other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like you feel something when something happens to those people or those people do something good you feel something right mm-hmm. the same way with the people that when you do know them. like I didn't know Kobe but like when you do know people like my father or my grandfather or you know some of my friends that I, I, I look up to in terms of certain characteristics they have when they do something good etc you feel it you kind of yeah. it's in your gut um so that I felt that one and um you know it's it's it was rough Definitely rough. So tell me a little bit because I think the gut, you know, it seems like you in general just like have a gut sense of a lot of these things of like this was the right place for me to be going to Miami. This was the right, you know, and it's it's a lot, you know, now starting your business. Like I'm curious your thoughts and and kind of how that transition went because obviously for a long time your goal it sounds like was you know play professional football and kind of like chasing that dream. And so how did you listen to your gut? to tell you like, Hey, it's maybe time to, to transition this and, and start focusing my attention elsewhere. Cause I do think, you know, whatever it is an entrepreneurial, you know, making those decisions of when to kind of stop something is almost as important as when to start something new. So I'm, I'm curious, like how you kind of listen to your gut around, around that choice. 
All right, so I guess the and this is where we're getting kind of kind of the story behind um just my life and my mentality. Um as far as to answer the question straight up, um I knew that I had did everything that I could possibly do. Like I, mm-hmm. I wasn't the guy that missed any reps um if I was healthy, other than like when I had, you know, sprained my ACL, I had to kind of scale back on some of the conditioning that summer. But even after I had broke my ankle at East Mississippi last chance you, I came back quicker than anybody thought I would. Um, back on the team by the summer, because I had come back to Miami from last chance you um, and, and be back on the team. And I just knew at the time when I stopped that I had done everything right. Like I, I did my schoolwork, I did what I was supposed to do. I knew everything in terms of every position that we that we had in terms of the scheme of um of our, our our game plans for the last two years that i was at miami i trained like i was supposed to for pro day i studied for the gre while i was you know training i, I kind of kept it closed off and focused mm-hmm. um, i went and did everything on my own when i got home from memphis which kind of it makes it harder Cause you don't have a squad around you that yep. you're kind of kind of doing it with so it's always often harder to do it alone and even though your family's there it's like they're not training with you right so it's not looking to your left or to your right saying hey you got somebody running with you or doing yeah exactly so you understand that and then you push through that and then you go and you kind of go to these tryouts because you have to pay for like canadian tryouts and, and pay for some of these other tryouts to even get a chance to be looked at um but beggars can't be choosers right so I just looked at it as, man, I did absolutely everything I was supposed to. Every single thing. I can't think of one time where I was like, I, I didn't do what I was supposed to in mm-hmm. terms of the game. I gave it everything I had. And I, I'll tell you, I know this to be true. And it's not a shot at anybody that plays the game this way, but it's a lot of people that play the game that don't love it. They play it because they're good at it. And I actually loved it, which is why it hurt so much to have to be like, all right, I'm, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to look for something else because, you know, I got to the point where I started to weigh, okay, you've done everything you can do. And like I just told you, I'm strong in my faith. And it got to the point where I was like, he got to be protecting me from something. Like I'm mm-hmm. going and running four or fives at these combines, you know, for these different, um, these different leagues and I'm catching the ball well. And I got knowledge of the game and I'm talking to the coaches and doing everything I'm supposed to do. And it's still not working out. Um, circumstances are what they are because you're going to get what God has for you and he's going mm-hmm. to protect you from the other things as long as you're trying to do his will. Um, and even when you're not trying to do his will, he's probably going to protect you from it mm-hmm. as well. I just felt like he had to be protecting you from something, whether that's a big heart and wanting to help people and then coming into a whole bunch of money and you don't know how to manage it and tell people no, right. whether it's, you know, brain injury and possible CTE, whether it's, um, you know, a catastrophic injury that makes it hard for me to do what I'm doing now. Because who mm-hmm. knows, maybe if, if this is for me and this was working how it's supposed to, then maybe I started this later after playing in the league and now I can't walk. Right. And I can train the way I train now. Right. So looking at it from the perspective of saying, all right, you've done everything you can do. Um, there's not much more. Let's look at what the other options are that you have set yourself up with. Because mm-hmm. there's a physical ceiling on this anyway. You can only play this but for so long. And who knows with the way some of this research is going, if the game even exists later like right. in, in our lifetime or even somebody like our, our children's lifetime after we're gone, if the game yeah. still exists because of what they find out about this, that, and the third, maybe they augment the way the game is played and that's not the game that you love anymore. Mm-hmm. So just look, thinking about all these different things and understanding that I had a chance to um, go to grad school, which it, it, it was a thing where I was like, I got to apply. And then you picking schools and it's like, hey, I didn't have as much experience as other people because I played sports, but I did have one thing. And, and um, this is all praise to Ben Riestra, who's now the COO of George Washington Hospital. He was at Lenar Foundation Medical Center on the campus of University of Miami and gave me a shot at an internship, which was basically like a fellowship. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what it was in undergrad. I just took it as a chance to go and learn at a hospital facility and see how kind of things that go, things go. And, um, got to walk through the facility and kind of see everything that I need to see to, and, and sit in on meetings that I need to sit in to understand how the framework of this, this, this company runs, this, this organization runs. And I knew that I had opportunity 
because I had done that. So I, I applied to school and it's crazy because I got into five out of the six schools I got, uh, I got mm-hmm. into. Only one I didn't get into was Johns Hopkins, <laughs> which was the number one. So wow. I got into University of Washington at the time they were number six. I got into Emory at the time they were number seven in terms of health administration. Yeah. And I got into Miami. Um, I got into UMD, College Park, University of Maryland. And then I got into um, USC, Price School of um, Public Health. And I just weighed the options and it came down between University of Washington and um, in Miami. And I, I ended up back in Miami because it was a better situation living wise and for mm-hmm. my finances. Um, so I, I chose to go back there um, and, and foster those relationships, knowing that I could always, my bad, knowing I could always branch out and get back to the West Coast or, mm-hmm. or you know, somewhere else internationally from the relationships that I made up at Washington. And I still right. talk to I mean, I called them when the earthquake happened in Seattle. Um, and then I called, you know, frequently, not as frequently when COVID was going on, but just, you know, called a couple of times to try to make sure that people were okay. Yeah. They really rolled out the red carpet. And um, I wanted to let them know that, you know, I really still do appreciate that. And I understand when, when good people do something for you, you need to show your gratitude. So, um, man, that that's kind of how it went. I weighed everything and then kind of had these options on the table and decided, mm-hmm. that, hey, I'm going to take one of these options because at this point, he's God is obviously telling me to stop. Right. He's telling me, look, you're going to be fine. Trust me, do something else. Yeah. And then I applied to school, got into the school, et cetera. And then the, the back half, or the first half of 2019, January through about July, June, is when things picked up the most for me with Unconquered Fitness. So it's like, you know, once you really let this go, you can kind of see how he's going to make other things flow because you wouldn't have been able to handle this if you were still trying to do this other thing. Right. You've been able to handle the uptick in, in clients. You wouldn't have been able to handle the uptick in opportunity to be somewhere and train in a facility. You wouldn't have been able to handle the uptick in having to try to travel and go to grad school because you would have been trying to do these other different things. So the only thing that changed were the, uh, the doors that opened after I kind of decided, Hey, this is going to be kind of what's, what it's going to be. Um, that's awesome. And that's, I, yeah. That I just finished reading this book that you just reminded me of. So it's called The Dip by Seth Godin. It's like a real short, short read, but it basically talks about exactly what you just talked about of like, he's, you know, he's a very successful writer and author and entrepreneur. And he talks about basically, he's like, the most important decision you make in your life is not like when you do things, but it's when you quit. And it's like, you, if you quit midway through, that's a problem. But if you right. learn, if you realize like, hey, you know, it's time I've, I've run this to the end of my rope and it's time to give it up because I need to focus my attention on other things. That's what I need to do. And it was just, you basically just summed it up in here and you yeah, know, what you're not, doing. It's not as easy as it sounds. It's, yeah, no, it's, it's not. You, you get to these different points and you're wondering, Hey, should I do that now? Mm-hmm. Right. Because you're, you're weighing this and weighing that. Um, and ultimately, it depends on where your where your goals lie. And my goals have always been to be able to provide for my family. And and I mean, if you think about it, I'm I'm very ABC one two three when it comes to things. Like if we look at things on the base level, because when we when we add more of what we are as human beings mentally, and what separates us from all the other organisms and animals that exist, yeah, our ability to think and rationalize, right? So we have to be able to break it down and keep it simple because when we add these other things, circumstances become everything. Mm-hmm. And you can adjust to the circumstance if you have a base foundation. So at the base foundation of every one of us, me, you, anybody else out here, we need to eat, we need to be safe, and then reproduce to, to add more life to the, the earth. So cultivate, reproduce, whether that's children, whether that's food, growing yep. farm food, whether that's rearing um, cattle or chickens or whatever. There's a reproduction component, there's a, a eating component, and there's a safety component. Mm-hmm. So my goal was always to be able to provide those three components to my family. And I'm saying, what ways can I do that? And I started looking at the things that exist in my life mm-hmm. um, between you know my knowledge base that I've obtained, whether it was should have been obtained or not, because a lot of people do things, like I said, you playing the game because you're good at it and not because you love it. And people can feel that difference. Right. Right. So when people can feel that difference, they say, why are you doing this? Why are you still doing this? I mean, I know yeah, you made a million, but now you're suicidal. And I was supposed to have a TEDx event that was going to talk about 
um, you know, athletes and their dependence on validation and how it shifts their goals and, and ability to gain some type of sense of self because mm-hmm. everything is geared towards what me and you think as a fan. Right. What you think as a family member. And that destroys your ability to kind of create your identity. So um, being able to be strong in my identity and reshaping it, and I was lost. It was a point where I had to really break down and, and sit and sit with myself, and it's not easy. Because it's, it's really hard to sit with yourself when you know you're not a quitter and you know you go hard, like I yeah. do, and say, hey, I'm done. I'm not playing this anymore. Or I'm, I'm done with this endeavor and I'm not doing this anymore. Like, it's difficult because mm-hmm. you don't know if you're right. But if you got the faith and you know you're going to work hard because faith without works is dead, right? So if you know you're going to work hard and you got that faith, then, you know, Look at the situation for what it is. One, two, three, A, B, C. Does it give me the ability to do this? Does it give me the ability to do this, do this, do this? And if it does, keep going. If that time has run out for those things to be achieved through this endeavor, then move on. Yeah, I think that's the kind of simplest way to kind of bring that that situation about. It doesn't help you mentally because you're still going to have an emotional reaction to it. But it'll definitely... um, it'll keep you from sulking in the, in the pain and the sorrow that you're sulking in. Right. You can able to let the wound heal. Move on to, you get on to the next thing and that's where you, you know, kind of find your energy and your, you know, the emotions go back in the other direction again. So I, I want, I don't want to take up too much of your time here. So I got, maybe just you got all the time you need. I'm not, I'm, I, I have to, let me look at my calendar. I, <laughs> I, should, I, I cleared a, a good amount of time because I know how I am. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone you having things to do, but I, I knew how I was when it came to it. Um, but I mean, we can we can wrap up if you got stuff to do, or if you want to keep talking and continue this after the fact, we can do that as well, man. I'm all for building a bridge. I love it. I love that. So I'll, I'll finish. We'll finish the interview here with maybe just a, a question or two, because I'd love to chat with you more as as the days and weeks go here. But I gotta ask to maybe finish on a a a, a note that I, I'm just curious about. So what was it like being a, t- a TV star? You know being on i'm sure everybody asks you about this i'm sure it comes up but it is an interesting you know piece of your piece of your life so you know playing at uh was it eastern mississippi and community college and being uh, being on last chance you so what was that like uh that experience uh, i i'm not a tv star now i was avoiding the camera actually um my thing was uh it, it's what they show you is is really more to it than that um mm-hmm. good and bad uh, for me, because I, it was rough for me how I had to go there and some of the things that happened there that I'm not going to speak on because I've, I've forgiven and let it go mm-hmm. and um, whatnot. Uh, it was it was rough for me. I, I was not um, I was not um, immersed in a happy attitude or energy for being there. But I had it grew me up. It made me understand what it is to deal with a lot of stuff that may not be in your favor or, you know, getting told one thing and then another thing happening. Um, people may go back on their word, et cetera. And how to be stuck and stuck there and have to deal with that, mm-hmm. how to get through that. Um, it, it, it really taught me how to control my, my emotions. And then it also taught me how in the midst of all of that, how to keep things um, not necessarily bottled in, but keep things level to where you're not on TV or in front of a camera or yep. like we're now interviewing each other and maybe you say something I don't like or I say something you don't like and then we go off the rails, right? Right. It, it, keep, it teaches you a lot of self-control being in that environment where you have no um, no ability to kind of escape. Like you're, you're in it. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't go nowhere. I couldn't leave and go somewhere else because this thing had happened to me. Um there wasn't a lot to do. You had to kind of, I mean, I taught myself how to cut my own hair in school. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was, um, <laughs> it was, it was, it was a lot worse and some good there too. Um, you know, I used to have a lot of ill will and ill feelings towards um, East Mississippi, but when I look back on it, I think it's still a part of the journey, like the injury and, you know, getting back to Miami and the chip I had on my shoulder and you know the things that I've done since then, so I would never have to be in a mental state like that again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it. I think it helped me grow up a lot. Part, so, of, part of the growth. Yeah, I, I, but 
I mean, in terms of the, ca- it was fun with the cameras around, I guess, a little bit. Yeah. You get to see, um, you get to see, like, yeah, we're bored as crap. So having these cameras around and seeing people with the camera crew and this, that, and the third is, is kind of cool. And then to see how they kind of produced it and watch it later, it's like, hey, yeah, I guess that makes it, it does make it look a lot different than it was. It, it, right. If you see on TV. There's some TV magic to it. Yeah, it's a lot of TV magic to it, man. I mean, it's it's raw. It's pretty raw. It's not as raw as it could have been. It's yeah. a lot more. <laughs> a lot more you guys could have heard on, on that that you didn't hear that I did. Um, but um it's a lot of a lot of production value to it. And um I, I commend them for coming in and doing what they did because they were down there with us and you could see that this is the middle of nowhere. They don't want to be there either. Right. But you know, they came and did their job and I I, t- I got a lot of respect for that that film crew that came down there and did that. Um because you could tell they didn't want to necessarily be in scuba either. Like they, yeah. they stayed about an hour away or so to kind of be more towards civilization. I couldn't leave, but I I got why they were leaving. I understood yeah. why they weren't going to stay in scuba if they didn't have to. Um, so yeah, man, it was it was cool. It was cool. I just all right, got some friends from there as well. So that's that's all you can that's all you can ask for. So my last question here for the for the interview, I my skinny guy like me, you can see, you know small build soccer guy you know how do i put how do i put on a little bit of weight what should what am i what should i be doing what should i be eating give me a five second you know five minute tutorial what should i be doing how do i put on some weight that is what have you eaten today and how many times do you eat a day what have i eaten today i had two eggs piece of toast with avocado and a banana with peanut butter i haven't eaten lunch yet so lunch is lunch is next here but that's all i've eaten so far today Okay, so that's uh, only two eggs. I would up the protein. I would up the carbs in the morning, of course, especially if you're going to work out midday. Um, have a decent amount of carbs before you work out with this lunch. And, um, you know, a little bit more protein. Um, make breakfast your biggest meal. Okay. Because breakfast is not what people think it is. Breakfast is when you break the fast. So what you put in your body in terms of fruits, proteins, fats, vegetables, et cetera, da, da, da. It's what your body, you know, your body metabolizes and moves the rest of the day based on what you put in and when you woke up and you broke the fast. Yes. Um, another thing I would recommend is uh, increase your protein. If you can't gain weight, it's probably because your metabolism is fast. And when you increase your protein, it increases your um, energy expenditure, right? You're just sitting still right now. Yeah. If you ate a lot of protein, your energy expenditure probably is a little bit higher to digest the protein, et cetera, because when you eat fibers and fruits and stuff like that, your body doesn't have as much energy expenditure. It, it doesn't use as much energy to, right. to digest those things because they have a lower absorption um, rate and things of that nature. Um, so more protein, uh, up your carbs before your workout. I would say drink protein right after your workout as well. Um, things in the evening so you can eat dinner at a decent time, a decent clip or whatever, but then eat maybe a peanut butter, jelly or, or something like that things that we've all heard before they actually work you just have to be consistent okay and then you have to lift and you have to lift heavy because when you increase the protein the protein has to go somewhere and if it's not replenishing or rebuilding your muscles then it's either going to be you know, pushed out in urine or it's going to be stored as fat so excess protein without enough activity is what the issue is and if you think about america we got a lot of stationary people that love eating protein yep so if they love their protein and they up if if they decrease their protein to a good amount that it should be instead of eat, overeating it, because when you overeat protein, you don't have carbs, and when you don't have carbs, you don't have energy. Yeah. And energy is what you need to work out, right? So you have to balance the protein and carb intake, and you balance the, the vegetables and the fruits to kind of push all that bad stuff out of your your colon and your stomach and whatnot. So increasing your your activity rate and then making sure you're eating the right foods with a bigger breakfast, a decent lunch um, with more carbs because you're gonna probably work out after work or whatever. Yep. Um, and then having a a, a, a medium size to light size dinner. I would say more vegetables in the evening, lean meats, um, and vegetables and whatnot. And then you know some carbs still a little bit later. Um, and then eat your midnight snack because you know your body type is one that's that's always and mine is too. Like I'm down probably to like 182, 183. I used to be 194, mm-hmm. trying to get into the league and whatnot. And you know, I feel faster now. But I kind of want to pick some of that back up. So just eating three times a day with some small snacks in between, and then upping your lift. So overload your muscles, 
Um, or give me a call and we can set okay. up we can set up virtual workouts and whatnot with Unconquered Fitness because that's the next step. And I got some people that I already consulted with yesterday that want to kind of try to get started and um, we're going to see how to how to get their plan rolling. So we can create something custom to you and um, try to get some meal suggestions going. I don't really like meal plans because people, yeah. let's say meal suggestions. Okay. I can create those. So. All right. We'll check back and we'll check back in two months. I'll be a brick house, you know, 180 pounds rolling around here. Yeah, man. As long as we, we got to get you access to a weight room though, because if you can't overload your muscles, True. man, you grow. Um, so if we, it's some other ways we can try to do that with household appliances and stuff like, like that. So we'll try to get it in. All right. Well, Malik, thank you for joining me on this. This was awesome. Great interview. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time here. I, I found it fascinating just kind of hearing your story and stuff. And um, I, I think everybody who, who listens to the show will, uh, will enjoy it as well. For sure, man. If they need to reach out, you can find us at unconquered at underscore unconquered fitness on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and it has the email and, and also my work line should be available. And if it's not, just send an email and I can reach back out, etc. a wrap for this week's episode of Destination Different. First off, massive thank you to Malik for coming on the show. I think you could tell at the end of that episode, like I didn't want to I didn't want to cut us off, but I almost had to. We could have talked for four hours, I think, and had no problem filling the airtime, chatting. You know, Malik is just a a fascinating guy and and it has stories for days and um, was a pleasure to get to talk to him. As as we mentioned at the end, you know, I'll link up his his descriptions to Unconquered Fitness here in the in the uh, ep- the show notes. But if anybody's looking for, especially right now during quarantine, you know, in certain places as certain places start to open up and there's a little more opportunity to go outside, um, Malik is putting together packages for people uh, to kind of get in shape, you know, work on their summer body you know, work on bettering themselves, um, really, you know, takes that approach of, of that fitness is, is kind of how you see it. And so if you are interested, we'll make sure that we get him linked up below, but feel free to absolutely reach out to him, uh, and get yourself looking good. I know, I know I am, uh, I'm going to start getting some, putting some beef on these bones, but, uh, hopefully we can, you know, put some work in for you as well, the listeners. Um, that's that's really all I got for this week. I wanted to one other thing just to note um, is that we actually started a new, not a new. It's been going around for a while now, but reformatted the email newsletter that I've been sending out here for you know a year and a half that that hardly anyone reads. So the new format is called Strange Brains. It's honestly been somewhat inspired by the amazing people that I've had on this show and um, some of the the fodder that I take from the internet and and put into some of my questions. So that is the new format. I'm going to link that up in the in the description of the show here as well. I would love nothing more. One, it's a great place for you to keep up with what's going on on the show, but two, I think it'll serve as just a place just a couple quick bites of of inspiration and entertainment uh each week. I think it's going to be each week. We're we'll, we'll still working on that. But if you're not already subscribed, get on in there. Subscribe to the newsletter. I think it's going to be a big addition to the podcast, Destination Different Yo Pro experience, content experience, whatever you want to call it. That's all I got. Hope everybody again, as I, you know, I say this every week now, and it, it seems like I'm, you know, what's the expression? I'm beating the, who knows, beating the drum. That's not it. Whatever it is. Beating a dead horse. Maybe that's what I was saying. But it's not. I hope you are all staying healthy. I hope you're all staying safe. And we will be back here again next week, next Wednesday, as we always are, with another episode of Destination Different. Until then, stay weird. Superpowers. 
We fell in love for just a couple hours. I can't tell the difference between what's fake and what's been missing. Often I'm misunderstood, so I'm looking for a better me. This is your love song, baby. I hope that you know the world. 